podcast is a discipleship podcast for the edification of Christian black men seeking God's redemptive power. Centered on Christ, Christian truth, black male experiences, and real talk, this podcast provides community and resources to black Christian men seeking to honor God and neighbor. Topics to be discussed may include Christian theology, marriage and dating, fatherhood, sex and being horned up, relationships, psychological health, healing, and topics that flourish black Christian men and their neighbors to the glory of God. Welcome to my brothers out there. I hope everyone's doing well today. This is the Redeemed Black Man podcast, and it's Sultan Hubbard here, your host uh, of the Redeemed Black, uh, Black Man podcast, and I'm super glad to be with you all today. Today is our second episode of the podcast, and uh, this is our title for today. Uh, We're going with My Mind, My Body, and Suffering, Mental and Behavioral Health Perspectives series. And during this series, we're going to really talk about mental health and behavioral health issues that impact black men and their lives. And... uh, We're really going to talk about a real broad approach um, to some of these concerns and see how the redemptive power of Christ already made available in us and in our lives can be a resource to help us um, recover and heal and um, not be limited by the mental health and behavioral health issues that come up in our lives. So for those who might be less familiar with some of these terms, Um, mental health, basically I'm talking about things like our emotions and our thoughts that that impact our quality of life. Uh, When I say behavioral health, I'm also talking about um, thoughts and feelings, but um, particularly those thoughts and feelings that uh, impact physical health issues, Um, things like sexual health or sleep. Um, things of that nature. So um, there are many behavioral health issues um, that uh, psychologists and other uh, integrated healthcare workers uh, try to address, but really I'm going to focus on sleep uh, and sexual health and sexual wellness um, because those are some two big areas of uh, behavioral health that oftentimes impact uh, black men um, and our well-being. Uh, Today, though, I'm going to talk really about trauma and uh, um, what trauma is, how can we see it, how it impacts us, um, what are some of the um, broad stats on on trauma um, amongst black men, uh, and uh, particularly um, looking at what are some symptoms of trauma and, you know, what can we do about it? How can God help us and redeem us? Um, through our traumas so that we can live a redeemed life, a glorious life in him. So some of y'all are probably really familiar with the term trauma or have heard someone say trauma before or say, oh, you know, that was traumatizing and, and things like that. Um, and so this is a term that I'm hearing a lot, a lot more in my everyday life um, and um, in my own experiences Um, maybe I should say a little bit about myself in this, um, uh, to maybe give a little bit of some reasons why this is a topic that's interesting to me, um, and, uh, why am I talking about specifically? So as you all know, I'm a black male Christian, 
um, who is passionate about Christ, passionate about Christian theology, and passionate about men and, and mental health. And really, that's the genesis of this project, the Regime Black Man podcast. Um, and specifically in, in relation to trauma um, and mental health, this is a, not only a personal interest uh, and a, a deeply personal interest for me, given my own mental health struggles and my own experiences with trauma, but it's also an extensive professional interest because um, I've actually pursued uh, extensive training um, to be a psychologist, and I'm about a year out from completing my PhD uh, in psychology. Um, And um, um, I've actually spent a couple of years doing trauma-focused treatment, um, psychotherapy treatment for veterans, um, which has been an awesome experience. And and also um, in uh, safety net clinics, which are kind of like clinics um, in the city area where patients come and they might not have insurance or might not have uh, an an abundance of uh, financial resources, and they'll come and still be able to get care. Um, So I've been in some places such as uh, VA medical uh, centers, um, safety net clinics uh, within the city, um, and also some healthcare settings uh, doing some trauma-focused work. Um, And in a few months, I'll be um, spending an intensive year of treatment actually providing uh, trauma-focused care for kids, teens, and adults um, and their families. So that's going to be an awesome uh, experience. So trauma, mental health, behavioral health, um, personal experience um, related to those uh, for me, but also professional experiences. And so um, first I want to break apart what trauma could mean. So many people say trauma, um, and I'm going to first describe what, what I call big T traumas. And big T traumas, these are traumas um, um, that uh, the DSM-5, which is called the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders 5, it's basically this big diagnostic manual uh, that psychologists, social workers, psychiatrists, and other mental health professionals use to diagnose their patients uh, with a certain mental health disorder or rule out a diagnosis of a mental health disorder. So you might go to therapy or you might go to a psychiatrist or a counselor or something like that, um, and they might look through uh, the DSM and also have what's called a clinical interview with you to see what might be some things that you're dealing with um, and uh, if some of the things you're dealing with match up with some of the known disorders that we have. Um, and the idea is once you're diagnosed, we know what, what sorts of treatments to give you that, that are evidence-based. That's kind of the general idea. So with the DSM-5, um, it defines traumatic events as um, uh, exposures to actual um, or, or threatening life events or serious injury or experiencing some form of sexual violence in a number of different ways. So one of those can be directly experiencing a traumatic event yourself, like something's happening to you that's unexpected. It can be you witnessing something happening to something else. It could also be you learning some of the in-depth details of what happened to another person who's a close or intimate person in your life, like a family member or a friend or a romantic partner wife, spouse, child, etc. 
um, and uh, experiencing repeated or extreme exposure um, to traumatic events, um, um, either yourself or um, that of someone else. So those are some four ways that um, um, that uh, we can define how big T traumas occur. You're exposed um, to an actual um, or potentially threatening life event, such as you know uh, gunfire or um, getting seriously robbed, sexually assaulted or raped. Um, um, uh, some other disaster happening to you, like a natural disaster, like a tornado ripping through your town or a major earthquake, um, uh, things of that nature, right? Um, so these are kind of uh, big T traumas, all right? And um, some of the four, or, or let me say not some, but the four main symptoms of, uh, of someone who has potentially... Uh, has had some of these events uh, are as follows. So um, typically when uh, when someone has a traumatic event happen to them, they may or they may not have one or or more of these symptoms, symptom groups, let me say. And if someone is diagnosed with PTSD or some other trauma-related disorder, they're going to have a lot of these, all right? But the four main traumatic um, or trauma symptoms that one can have are avoidance. That's the first we could go with. And avoidance is basically um, just like what it sounds like. It's, it's staying away from um, or avoiding even thoughts or places or spaces that remind you of the trauma. There's hypervigilance, which is basically being aware of your surroundings, always being kind of uh, alert and concerned about potential threats. Um, so that might be checking locks, checking doors, checking windows. That might be making sure that you have certain things around you to protect yourself um, in, in certain environments, th things of that nature. There's also negative changes in patterns of thoughts and feelings that used to characterize a person's life. So let's say, if I could say in a simplistic way, let's say you were just a positive person, you thought that um, nothing could hold you back that you, you know, were, um, can succeed in anything that, um, uh, generally speaking, that the world isn't against you, that the world isn't necessarily a dangerous place overall, um, thoughts like this, but then you have a traumatic event and then you think things like, no, the world is against me. Um, or, um, it doesn't matter what I do, I'm never going to be safe or, it doesn't matter what I, I strive for. Success will never come my way. Um, disaster is imminent. Certain extreme thoughts like that um, can be examples of negative changes in patterns of thoughts and feelings, right? Um, I do want to say, just as a caveat, just because someone has something that might resemble the negative changes in thoughts and feelings, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a trauma symptom, right? So many of us um, who are just conscious and aware of what's been happening in the United States with black women and men being killed by police. Um, you, you know, one way you can think of it is, you know, we might have certain thoughts like the police are against us. That, that actually might just be um, a sound way of thinking, given the evidence that we see today. Right. But you could also think of it as 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 a trauma symptom that we're repeatedly exposed to these things. And thus we have some changes in thoughts and feelings. 
um, especially as we learn more about these things as we develop from children to, to teens to adults, right? Um, and then the last um, is intrusions or intrusive symptoms. And I think it's best if I give some examples of intrusive symptoms. So intrusive symptoms can be dreams, they can be flashbacks, um, they can be, um, and when I mean flashbacks, what I mean by that is someone literally thinks they're in the traumatic experience that they had in the past or some version of that. And so they're no longer in contact with the current present moment in reality, but they're somewhere else, wherever that trauma took place. Um, and so, um, but there's also um, intrusions that happened in dreams, right? So these are probably some of the most common ones where someone might dream about some of the traumatic events that they have had happen to them, all right? Um, and so there might be some, some um, very near exact uh, replicas of what happened to them in the dream, but it also might just be a lot of changes in detail that happened to the dream, but um, that happened in the dream, but it overall resembles or, or reminds the person of the trauma that they experienced, right? So uh, avoidance, negative changes in thoughts and feelings, um, hypervigilance and intrusions. These are the four main symptoms of, of trauma and also PTSD, which is kind of like uh, the big mental health disorder for trauma. Um, it's, it's the most severe trauma-related uh, diagnosis that, that one can have or, or be diagnosed with. Um, and um, uh, maybe I can speak a little bit about how um, these four main symptoms of big T trauma come up in little t traumas, all right? So, um, but before doing that, I should also say, just because one has had a traumatic event happen to them, for example, um, being um, held at gunpoint, you know, um, by someone in our city or the police, for example, being beaten by someone to the point where we're seriously injured, being robbed, sexually assaulted, um, um, things of this sort, right? Um, just because we have that doesn't mean that we're going to have a trauma-related disorder, doesn't mean like we're going to be diagnosed with PTSD, but it can mean that we might have some of these symptoms, right? And generally speaking, we can consider some of these symptoms of, of trauma, the hypervigilance, the avoidance, the intrusions, the negative changes in thoughts and feelings, as our mind and body trying to adapt to what happened to us to keep us safe, to keep us at all costs um, uh, away from ever having a negative experience like that happen to us again, okay? Um, so generally speaking, um, some data suggests that black men uh, show approximately 60% or 62% have experienced directly a traumatic event in their lifetime. So that is a lot of brothers out there, 62% who've experienced a direct traumatic event happen to them in their lifetime. 72% witnessed a traumatic event happen to them, such as maybe seeing a um, parental figure like their mom being abused or um, their parent, you know, being beat by police or um, a grandmother being mugged, things of that sort. Um, and 59% have learned of a traumatic event involving a friend or family member. So based on those statistics alone, 
we see that trauma isn't something that's just new to black people uh, and, and to black men specifically, as, as, as these stats were related to black men. But when we think about little t traumas, um, these are events that are um, disruptive to our lives, um, that cause us to feel unsafe or unsecure, or insecure rather, um, and uh, threaten us on some core level, but may not necessarily be physically or life-threatening um, um, traumatic experiences. So it might not be that these little T traumas are um, actually threatening to our, our daily lives, but they might be seriously um, threatening to our psychological well-being and security. All right. So the hypervigilance, the avoidance, the intrusions, the negative changes in thoughts and feelings, these things can come up in little t traumas, right? They might not be as severe as big t traumas, um, but uh, they can be uh, seriously disruptive to our daily lives and our relationships. So it's not uncommon that if someone's experienced either a big t trauma or a little t trauma, that they might experience um, negative changes in, in thoughts and feelings. And so what this might look like, um, at least based on some of my own experiences and, and, and observations in, in clinical settings, what this might look like is um, a brother might have some difficulty connecting with his wife or his girlfriend or his, his, his bros and, you know, um, some of his homies just chilling, you know, not being able to connect to them emotionally. Um, feeling a little bit cold or numb to, to emotions, um, to emotions like happiness, joy, um, excitement, interest, um, things of that nature, right? Um, but not being numb to things like anxiety, anger, fear, okay? Um, um, some of these negative changes in thoughts and feelings, it, they, they don't actually impact our ability to feel um, negative emotions that can can help us avoid dangerous situations in the future, right? Or avoid little t or big t traumas in the future, right? So that gives us some idea about how how trauma can impact us. It can, it's often, and I think rightly stated that it is a um, a way to adapt to little t or big t traumas. And so, anger, fear, and anxiety those are emotions that can equip us to um, try to avoid or fight off future big T or little T traumas, right? Um, but happiness and joy or excitement, um, or interest, these emotions, um, probably don't relate to our ability to survive in an immediately threatening experience, whether that threatening experience is a little T trauma or a big T trauma. And so, um, those feelings are oftentimes suppressed, um, and uh, the mind oftentimes basically mutes those emotions. Um, and so uh, whether you experience a big T trauma or a little T trauma, you may experience some of these negative changes in, in thoughts and feelings. And the emotional changes, um, like the ability or, or lack of ability to feel certain emotions, we oftentimes just call that emotional numbing. And that can be seriously uh, troublesome when you're trying to have a... a blossoming relationship 
um, with other people in your life, especially a spouse, a girlfriend, and you're trying to love her well, treat her well, be interested in her, be romantic, serve her as, as, as Christ um, um, has you to. But because of those emotional numbing symptoms, you're not really able to do that well. Um, and you may find yourself getting in arguments or not really connecting and feeling empty. Um, so that's, that's something that comes up sometimes. Um, avoidance and hypervigilance, this can really make it really difficult to navigate intimate relationships. Let's say, you know, some of your brothers want to go out to um, a basketball game, you know, at your local campus or um, um, a professional uh, sporting event or something like that. Some of these events, even in COVID, are super crowded. Someone who's experienced a traumatic event, either a big T trauma or a little T trauma, might have some issues with being around crowds or being around people they haven't met. Um, and so this can really impact the things you want to do and your um, um, sense of freedom and spontaneity. That's, that's oftentimes key and helpful in building healthy, adaptive relationships. Um, and so hypervigilance is a, is a big issue and avoidance is a big issue. Intrusions as well. Um, for some of those who've experienced big T traumas, um, things like, you know, gun violence or abuse or um, robbery or, um, you know, things of that nature. If you're in the armed forces and, and have gone to war, um, having intrusion symptoms can be really tough really tough. It can really impact your quality of sleep. Um, it can oftentimes um, hinder your sleep so much that um, uh, you might be said to have insomnia or, or said to have, have a diagnosis of sleep apnea, depending on um, what your medical providers have, um, have um, uh, suggested as an appropriate diagnosis for you. And those are some things that really impact your quality of life and your health overall. Um, so um, I would recommend anyone who's having some issues with sleep um, to definitely consider meeting with a primary care provider, a doctor, a psychologist, a psychiatrist to get some resources. Um, but when someone's having an intrusion symptom, such as a, a nightmare or a dream or something like that, sometimes they can engage and act out those nightmares while they're sleeping. So if they're um, sleeping with their, their wife or their partner or something like that, um, they could be, let's say, kicking in their sleep, you know, kicking their wife in their sleep or punching, you know, or screaming, things like that. Um, and as you can expect um, or could expect, that really can impact your quality of life, the quality of life for you, the quality of life for your spouse. Um, uh, and so that's something that can be particularly troubling. One thing that, that I want to say about just relationships in general is trauma is a scary thing. Um, and trauma can impact relationship quality and ability to connect with other people in your life in a meaningful way. So one thing that I see oftentimes with uh, many brothers out there um, is after experiencing a traumatic event, really just having difficulty identifying the emotions that we are experiencing 
um, and uh, communicating those emotions to other people. One, sometimes if we're having those emotional numbing symptoms, we're not even feeling the appropriate emotions we should be feeling in a certain experience. <laughs> but let's say we are um, experiencing emotions um, the way that that might be said to be normal or, or healthy or adaptive. Um, we may have difficulty identifying what those emotions are. We might be avoiding some of our emotions. So let's say we're feeling anxious or fearful or sad or depressed. We might run to other things to calm those emotions down. You know, avoidance coping is what, what we can call it. And that might be things like going to watch porn, you know, jacking off. That might be, do, you know, doing drugs. That might be smoking some weed. That might be... Um, um, doing some other things. There could be some other ways that, that one could cope with it too that, that might not fall into those categories. It might be going to the gym. It might be taking a walk. It might be reading a book. It might be reading your Bible, praying, things like that. Um, and those are great, great, great ways of coping. But generally speaking, um, um, I'm kind of talking about some of the ways that we can cope in negative ways and how trauma can impact us in a negative way, at least right now. So, um, those ways can be seriously damaging to our relationships um, and uh, can really hinder our quality of life, can really hinder our ability to connect with others in a meaningful way and recruit support for ourselves when we're struggling, right? Um, so what does Christ and biblical truth have to say about trauma? Um, that's, that's a big thing. And, and, and where do we go from here? Right? I guess one of the thoughts that I have is that one, when, if anyone just comes through scripture, um, we can see that trauma is all throughout scripture from Genesis to revelation. The people of God are experiencing trauma, <laughs> right? Christ himself, um, was the most traumatized person in the entire biblical, um, story right and uh the fact that he was beaten um the fact that he was stripped that there was a crown of thorns placed on his head and pushed in um the fact that he was so anxious he was sweating blood the fact that he was pierced in his side the fact that he was literally lynched he was hung on a cross on a wooden cross a tree as it were um, and, um, and was there for some hours, you know, that's, that's some serious trauma. That's a big T trauma. That's a complex trauma, multiple traumas, laid on multiple traumas, laid on multiple traumas. Right. Um, and even, even when we see the apostles, we see that all the apostles, all the, the disciples, at least most of them, most of them, um, were murdered because of their faith in Christ. Um, while the Apostle Paul was living, we see that he experienced many different, many different traumas, whether that were natural disasters, where that were, were you know, um, people trying to kill him, people trying to abduct him, um, him almost being killed by a crowd of people. He, you know, there's a lot of trauma that that the people of God have experienced. And even us as, as, as black men and the many black women who may be listening, you know, in, in this uh, podcast, black men and women have experienced trauma that is just um, unspeakable trauma, 
for those who are really acquainted with black history in the United States and in the Western worlds and, and things of that nature. Um, but Christ offers, offers us uh, hope within this. That first of uh, first off, that trauma is not the it, not the natural state of affairs that God had designed for us. That when He created the world, He called it good. He didn't call it uh, bad or you know uh, twisted or uh, deformed or contorted or defiled. He called it good. He called it very good. And a very good state of affairs doesn't involve the brokenness that trauma brings, right? So at the forefront, when we look at God's word and his truth in Genesis, we see that God didn't have trauma in, uh, <laughs> in mind when he created the world, thinking, yeah, I'm going to make this world and, and I want trauma to exist. Nah, that, that wasn't his plan. But we do know that through the course of time, sin entered the world um, and we as human beings... Um, acquired a sinful nature um, and a propensity to do wrong and, and, and sin. Um, and uh, we as believers strive to fight against that sinful nature that we all have within us um, and conform to the, um, the holy nature, um, that spirit nature that Christ has implanted through in us through receiving his Holy Spirit. So really right now we have two natures. We have that, that nature that's in us by the Spirit of Christ, and we also have this other nature, this sinful nature that, that we also inherited. Um, and uh, trauma enters the world really through sinful nature um, and just the brokenness that just exists in reality itself. In a world that's uh, separated from God, we see that even natural disasters um, that can be traumas occur in the world. And that might not be necessarily because of one particular person's sin, you know, that a tornado sweeps through a certain area or a tsunami sweeps through a, an area or, 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 or things of that nature. But all in all, God has not desired for us to experience trauma. And um, when we see in in scripture let's say we take paul for example the way that he dealt with his traumas we see that he wrote he wrote to others about that um and spoke about these issues um and um um and in so doing he's able to process um what happened to himself and um what was um what were um, um, the, the, the details that came into that and what to do from, from there um, and how, how his traumas, as he saw it, fit within the narrative of his life and his service to God. So we know that in, in Acts 27, verse 27 through um, verse 5 of 28, that, that Paul experienced shipwreck. We know that um, in other passages of, of Scripture, Paul talks about all of the different experiences that he had where um, he experienced being whipped 39 times, um, um, several times uh, upon different occasions, that he was shipwrecked, that he's gone um, naked or without food, things of this nature. Um, 
and we see that despite all of these things, he put his hope in, in, in Christ. Um, and so for us, I think the model before us is that we should acknowledge some of the things that we've experienced to those that we trust and those who are worthy of our trust. Um, and we should begin the hard work of, of learning to process what happened to us and how it impacts our relationships. And then make some real critical decisions. What do I want to do about this? I realize that because of my traumas, I don't really feel a liking for people. I don't have an interest in engaging with people. Um, it's hard for me to connect with my wife or it's hard for me to make friends with other people. Um, Christ calls me to love my neighbor, but you know, I don't give a beep about anybody else because you know, who, who knows if they're going to care about me, you know, thoughts like this, right? But we have to really think, okay, well, given the, the traumas that we experience, what does God call for, for us? And, and how, how does some of the mindsets that I just mentioned, um, actually hinder us from the freedom that God has for us and the redemption that God has for us? Those who don't know what they're feeling or can't access their feelings or um, feel uncomfortable trusting others probably are suffering to not have community, to not have support. Um, that's that's not a happy life. That's not that's not a not a happy life. Um, and um, God calls us to one another uh, and he calls us to to redemption and to healing and to freedom. Um, and, uh, when we acknowledge that we've experienced traumas and again, um, trauma is something that's so, so prevalent, right? About 62% of us listening on this call who are black men, um, have experienced a direct trauma themselves. 72% of us have seen a traumatic event happen, Right. 59% of us have heard of a traumatic event happening to a family or friend, right? So all in all, we're all very acquainted with this, generally speaking. Um, and I'm sure you all can can testify that some of the four main symptom groups of, of trauma um, that uh, I mentioned are not fun, are often robbing us of our freedom, um, and uh, oftentimes leave us um, feeling disconnected, afraid, angry, uh, and without hope. But Christ actually calls us to higher heights and, and greater freedom. First, one of the ways that we can really do that, just to hit on it again, is to acknowledge what we're experiencing, right? How can we be the best Christian black men out there if we can't even acknowledge the suffering that we experienced and how it impacts us, right? Um, so we have to acknowledge what, we're, what we've experienced. Also, we have to acknowledge our feelings. When we comb through the scriptures, we see that men and women of God who suffered oftentimes really just stated what their feelings were and what their suffering was. When we read the, the Psalms, it's literally a prayer book about how people are feeling happy, uh, joyful, sad, angry, traumatized, afraid, anxious, and they're seeking God, right? And there's such magnificent power and relief and release that we experience when we come to God with our suffering and our joys, um, and we lay it before him 
um, seeking him uh, and his support. And also, um, when we acknowledge that we've experienced traumas, when we acknowledge our feelings, we also have to acknowledge the thoughts that we have about ourselves, about how the world works, and about other people and how that's been impacted by the traumas we've experienced. All right. Um, and so for, for me, for example, I've experienced various traumatic events, um, big T traumas and little T traumas that, that impact how I see safety, that impact the way I see my own identities, um, as a black man, as a Christian man, um, as a straight man. And because of those traumas, I oftentimes police myself. I oftentimes think, how do I um, advocate that I am man enough, that I'm black enough, that I'm straight enough, et cetera, et cetera, right? Because some of the traumas that I've experienced really tacked on or attacked some main areas of my identity and, and pulled those things into question unnecessarily. And so a part of my baggage is identifying, okay, what are the traumas that I experienced? That's all these ones. How do those impact my thoughts? How do those impact my feelings? And what do I do from here? Oftentimes what we can do is we can start speaking truth um, to some of these um, thoughts that we have, some of these negative thoughts that we've had because of the trauma. Uh, we got to speak truth to those thoughts and challenge those thoughts that we've experienced. Oftentimes, too, the places that we avoid because of trauma. Oftentimes what we need to do is start um, exposing ourselves in small doses um, and uh, um, almost like a step-by-step -step approach uh, so that we can be more comfortable in places that make us um, uncomfortable. So let's say someone's afraid of going to crowded places because um, they've had some traumatic experiences that makes them afraid or concerned about being in crowds. Maybe start exposing yourself to small groups or um, a small group of people, maybe three, four people, and maybe grow, go on and build on that. Maybe go to a grocery store at a time where it's just a tad more busy than when you normally go. Um, and one thing I want to say here, too, is seek God through trauma. God is the, the provider and the, the source of our provision, right? Um, and so whatever we've experienced, whether big T traumas or little T traumas, God is there. And these hypervigilant symptoms, the avoidance, the intrusions, the negative changes in thoughts and, and feelings, all these things threaten to make war on our lives. But God is there. And in those moments when we experience the most gruesome traumas, Christ was there with us and feeling what we were feeling and suffering with us. Um, whenever we experience suffering, Christ is there identifying with us in those feelings because he is everywhere and he knows everything and he loves you more than you love yourself. And these are things that we know because we know the character of Christ. We know his truth. We know the truth of God based on scripture and what he's revealed in us through his Holy Spirit. The last thing I want to say, too, is mental health treatment. Although we experience trauma at, at high rates, we're actually less likely to um, seek out mental health treatment than really any other racial ethnic group, and especially um, um, as men as well. Um, and so 
uh, I want to say that it takes a lot of courage to get mental health treatment, um, to see a counselor or a therapist or to talk to our doctors about, you know, some of the experiences we've had. Um, but it is in our best interest and it's the best way that we can serve ourselves and honor ourselves, honor God and honor our, our, our neighbors in our, in our lives, especially our, our wives and children, um, and friends, if we seek mental health treatment so that some of these symptoms that, um, these four main system, uh, symptom clusters I mentioned, the avoidance, hypervigilance, intrusions, negative changes in thoughts and mood, um, so that those things become less um, of a hindrance in our lives and so that we can experience more freedom. So um, just to, to wrap up today, um, trauma is something that's so common for us as black men to experience. And yet we oftentimes um, don't seek treatment for that. Treatment oftentimes is unavailable. We don't know how to get it. And sometimes because of the traumas we experience, we're less likely to pursue treatment even though we need it, right? the negative changes in thoughts and mood, you're probably thinking, you know what? I don't trust people. So why would I go and tell someone else my business? Or, nah, it's not safe to feel sad or, or afraid. Yeah, no, I, I got to be hard because what if something bad happens to me? I need to be prepared, right? Some of these symptoms of trauma can actually hinder us from getting help. Um, and uh, trauma can oftentimes hinder us from really understanding and accepting God's love and his truth for us um, because um, really when we have these traumatic events it can really affect the way that we think oftentimes not for the good uh, sometimes avoiding a future trauma um, at all costs that's kind of what these symptoms really are geared at avoiding trauma in the future sometimes having that as our highest goal is actually less helpful than we think because it does that at the expense of other areas of our lives, our emotional intimacy, our sexual intimacy, our physical intimacy, our time intimacy um, with people that we love, with our spouses, our girlfriends, you know, our family members, uh, our friends. It, it hinders us from engaging in experiences that can bring us joy. And so God has called us not to be bound by our traumas and the uh, ghosts um, and villains of our past, um, but to heal from that. One thing I want to say, too, is some of the people who have um, played a role in our trauma are still around in our lives. So some of the tra traumatic experiences you may have experienced, they might be caused by someone you know who you might have frequent experiences with. Um, in order to experience the redemption that Christ has for you, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to be buddy-buddy with that person or have any experiences um, with that person. Um, and I would suggest that any person who has that experience really consult with a good, trained mental health provider to get some wisdom and support about how to navigate that experience. All right? Um, I think this goes without saying, but this... This podcast is not intended to replace therapy. Um, it's not intended to be a source of um, diagnostic material for anyone who's concerned if they have PTSD or any other trauma-related disorder. This is just a resource to help you as you navigate your pursuit of Christ, um, yourself, and your neighbors 
um, which chiefly will be um, the uh, if you're married, your wife, your and if you have kids or or children, that would be your your children, um, and subsequently your friends, family, um, and other neighbors in your life, including strangers or or people in your local community, right? So this is a resource for those who want to really apprehend the redemptive power that Christ offers. Um, and uh, not as a diagnostic tool. But for any of those who have any questions, comments, or concerns um, or thoughts, feel free to reach out. Um, if there's anyone who wants to uh, su- uh, send me a redemption letter, feel free to email me at sultan, S U L T A N, dot Hubbard, H U B B A R D dot phd at gmail.com and just title that subject line redemption letter Uh, and what i'll do is i'll read that letter in the next podcast episode and discuss it um, and see if i uh, and uh, maybe a co-host can uh, provide you any support or feedback regarding that concern Um, the next time we talk we'll be talking about depression Um, and following that we'll talk about anxiety then sleep, then sexual health generally, and sexual health for married folks out there. Uh, But thank you all for tuning into this podcast episode. I love you all deeply, and I pray that God's richness, fullness, and provision might overflow in your lives, in the lives of your family, um, and the lives of neighbors uh, in your local community. God bless you and keep you. Talk to you soon.